Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love radio show and we've got a lovely radio show this week and this is about the Los Angeles Thriver Meetups and I'm back in Australia now, I'm back in Melbourne and uh, upon reflecting on my wonderful trip to LA, two of the hugest highlights and there were so many that happened in LA were the Thriver Meetups. And they were held where I was staying at the Hyatt Regency in West Hollywood, which was just such a beautiful venue. Now, unfortunately, because of the weather forecast of heavy storms, and that actually was the forecast, and I must say that they weren't heavy storms by Australian standards, but um, many people in uh, California, well, they just don't get rain. So it's like a huge event when rain does happen. It was really funny how Ellen DeGeneres at the... um, when she was doing the Oscars, she was saying that, yep, okay, it's been raining and we're okay because it's just so uncharacteristic. So a lot of people that were going to come to the meetups, they were travelling, some of them long distances and driving for five or six hours and they cancelled because they worried about the rain. So originally there were 40 people for the Friday night dinner and there were 36 for the Saturday lunch and it was going to be in an El Frisco area at the Hyatt Regency and there was like lots of lovely tables and settings but because of the weather forecast we could only do it indoors and by the RSVP date there were 10 people for the dinner and 10 people for the lunch. Now what was meant to be was an extra person did turn up for the dinner and an extra six people arrived for the lunch date and the Hyatt staff were great, they created additional seating arrangements. So I just wanted to say, before we get into this radio show and some of the people that are at the meetups, I really do apologise to all the people who tried to confirm at the last moment that emailed me, and I just simply couldn't accommodate you because the Hyatt required the definite seating numbers for the meetups because it needed to be indoors due to the weather. But what transpired was just this gorgeous, intimate group of people who joined together to connect And it really happened organically and gloriously. And we're going to meet some of those people tonight or today. So, well, we're actually actually recording this at the moment. It's Australia Day, but it's evening in um, LA. And these lovely people have sat up to do this show with me, which is just really, really good. So... We've got three people on at the moment. We're all on a group call together. So, um, Marla, welcome and thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And we've got Eleanor, who was, she actually rang through to the last radio show, which was, or two radio shows ago. So, Eleanor, thank you so much for sitting up and doing this call with me. Sure, Melanie, thank you. Yeah, and we've got Jeffrey. It's so great to have a male thriver with us. So many people have been asking for a male thriver to come forward and share experience. So Jeffrey, thank you so much for you know standing in for the guys and doing this. You're so welcome, though. Thank you for all you're doing. 
Oh, this is so cool to have us all together because I miss you guys already. I've only been back for a day and it's just it's just really weird not being with you. It's just in here. Right. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just so beautiful. So we're going to start with Marla. So, you know, Marla, you know, briefly... What has your journey been with narcissistic abuse coming from, you know, shattered and battered to surviving and then thriving? Uh, yes, yes. Um, it's been quite the journey. I was in a relationship for 20 years and um, hit rock bottom like so many of us do. I was, was cornered, um, no light at the end of the tunnel, uh, no hope and um, muscled up the strength to move out with my two teenage children and uh, rented a house and then I discovered you and life hasn't been the same. <laughs> I was um, on the internet and um, looking up narcissism and there's some link there that had your name on it and once I hit the link um, I couldn't stop reading. You are so articulate with all the words of what an narcissistic is and have you, are you a victim or um, how do you tell if you've been uh, abused and um, I must have read your webpage and different articles for hours um, the world was not even spinning around me I was just so focused on you and I knew I finally had the answers and with your uh, NARP program so I started investing um, in the program and after the first um, shift, I felt instant relief. And for the first time in a long time, I actually saw hope um, mm. in my life. So important, because it can feel so hopeless and helpless. So how long have you been doing NARP now, Marla? It's been about nine months. Nine months, and um, I've slowly been investing in your programs, and. I'm on the forum and, and um, just trying to keep up with everyone because it's very nice to have peers. Oh, um, totally. Yes, and then um, just meeting this group in LA this last week was was wonderful. Um, I felt an instant kinship, um, a freedom, and um, I don't I don't think misery likes company. I want to change that quote to drivers mm. um, drivers like company because. Mm. Um, we we connected immediately, and I think we um, there's an unspoken uh, conduct there. Words that need to be said. There's just an instant um, connection, and I think we're all on the same page when we just want to help others because um, we're starting to thrive, and it's so wonderful. We want to get the word out. Oh, that's just beautiful. So, so Eleanor, people have you know met you a little bit you know, on, on the uh, two radio shows ago, but I got to meet you personally. You came to both the Thriver events, as did Marla, and we ended up, we really did connect, and we ended up having a dinner two nights before I left, and, you know, one of the things that struck me, Eleanor, is what has struck me so much about narcissistic people that have been narcissistically abused is that, Often it is incredibly intelligent, attractive, amazing people 
that get hooked in by narcissists and you know after discovering more about you that you're an you're an engineer you, you've studied you're a successful stock trader you're only 32 years of age you're absolutely gorgeous inside and out and yet like so many of us that have that many people in the world would look at and go well you know you could really have anybody you know how did you end up with an abuser and I, I see this in what happened to you and I just I just want you to talk about that a little bit so that you can really help inspire other people who have been narcissistically abused Melanie thank you for your nice words and uh, like you said it was it was just a great experience connecting with you in person and meeting you in person um, and sharing my story of what was what happened to me all my life I knew how to make myself successful externally I know how to go in school I know how to finish a degree I've always had a good job I've, I am self-employed now which I'm extremely proud of because that's been my lifelong dream so I knew the steps to success and if you met me before the narcissist I was I looked confident consciously I felt very confident and I acted that way however what was inside of me was a little bit different well, actually massively different um, I tried to source my identity through another person in a way I tried to source my identity also through getting degrees and uh, jobs but I also left it up to a person to define who I am to uh, just tell me am I a good person am I a deserving person and that was a massive lesson of being in a relationship with a narcissist who pointed out that I have unhealed parts within me that need to be brought out to the surface and healed before I could really thrive absolutely you know and and that's it and I think it's when we really start doing the inner work and we take our focus off the outside and we start coming to the inside and really going into our pain and our wounds we really find out they're actually not about the narcissist that's the trigger that brought them up they're actually about how we've been relating to ourselves that we hadn't consciously realized until this time right yeah. and like uh, we discussed I think with you on the previous radio show that uh, the narcissist it's not about him being, being good or bad it's about me and him being just the catalyst for the need for the deeper need for me to involve myself yeah 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 and you know after spending time with you it hasn't been long you know how long is it since the relationship's been over it's been over only for about two and a half months mm. and the recovery was just mystical all I can say I went through feeling anxiety feeling down having no boundaries feeling confused powerless helpless to two months two and a half months later I feel like I adore life and life adores me and I know my own value now it was just unbelievable recovery and unbelievable two and a half months 
So how long was it before you got NARP after finding out what was going on and finding my material? I actually, um, I found my narcissistic relationship was for two years and a year and a half into the relationship, I found the NARP program yep. and I began doing it uh, around uh, two months before the end of the relationship. Mm. And look, that's a really, really good point because I do get emails and messages all the time from people that say, can I do NARP while I'm still in the relationship? So what would you... What was your experience with doing NARP while you were still in the relationship? It, the experience was excellent because I had no idea what I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. That's why I felt confused. I felt powerless. I felt angry. NARP gave me a peace of mind that um, it gave me sort of a definition what was happening. So, and once I knew what, what, what I was dealing with, then uh, the modules of the program gave me steps to deal with the feel with my pain, with the feelings of loss, with a, a, a constant thoughts of why, why me, how how did I deserve this? I think it is actually a preferred way, at least for me, to do it while I'm in the relationship because I can see clearly what what's actually happening. And when, toward the end of it, I was able to do no contact pretty easily. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And I think there is two schools of thought with that, with doing the inner work and the shift work while you're still in the relationship. You know, obviously, if it is really high-level, abusive and dangerous for a lot of people... Um, it, it pretty much was like that in my two experiences is that you really need to pull out, cut all contact and then collapse into the modules and the work and the healing to get as much support and relief and empowerment as you can as quickly as possible. And for some other people that can have some distance and it's not as you know, life and death-ish or, or as traumatic that you can start doing the work and empowering yourself on the side and detaching until you get to that point where you go, you know what, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I'm done with this. Yeah. So a little disclaimer for me, we weren't living together. Mm. So we did see each other often, but we weren't living together. So I was able to do the program on my own time in my own home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know there's been people that are married who um, we had, I'm just trying to remember the lady's name. There's been so many thrivers now. But there was one of our thrivers who she used to um, drive to work earlier, an hour or two earlier every morning, and she'd actually do the modules in the car while pull over in a park and work the modules before going to work. And that's how she created the space to actually be able to get them done. Right. Yeah, it was quite astounding. So, it, But it certainly does help if you can shift your inner while you're in there or when you first get out. It's just going to make a massive difference to your recovery and it drops the whole peptide addiction where you still feel hooked into the narcissist and you can't keep yourself from contacting or going back. So, Elena, can you just relate a little bit about that? How, um, if you were to say, you know, how addicted to you, do you feel to him now? 
right now, yeah. I feel absolutely no addiction, addiction because I have such an amazing clarity as to what was going on. Mm. And I think somewhere during the modules, I was able to break that peptide addiction because I just I have no problem maintaining no contact now, whereas two and a half months ago, I, would, I was thinking I would rather die than experience no contact with him. Oh, yeah. And gosh, don't we know that feeling? And isn't that feeling just horrific when you're so hooked and addicted and you can't stop going back in? It's just... Very powerless. It's horrid. And I'm so thrilled. And, you know, and just to see you and hang out with you, I see how happy and bright and light you are and how you're just doing life beautifully. It's, um, it just warms my heart so much after knowing where you had been. Thank you. Yeah, so Jeffrey, welcome and it's so awesome to have you here and I love having a guy on radio and I think this should be for any of you guy thrivers out there that are going to listen to this radio show, please take Jeffrey's example, get in contact with me and come forward because you guys need to stand up for your fellow men and especially the men that email me or Facebook me and say, you know, what about us? And I just really want to say that NARP is for men as well. You know, I have 25% of people on NARP or my personal clients are men. And the healing experience is exactly the same because I really understand that there are men that get abused by females and there are also same-sex relationships. Not that that's you, Jess, but there are same-sex relationships where people get abused and again the healing process of NARP is identical so Jeff can you share a little bit about your journey from victim to thriver absolutely first of all thank you for having me on Mel it's a pleasure I'm so fortunate to have discovered you really right when I needed to um, you're things, so welcome Jeff things spun out uh, I was together with this person I knew her for a total of three years and we were together in a romantic context for two years and really the first year was okay but you know towards the end of that I, I started seeing really bad red flags and behavior problems and I tried to talk to this person and it's like oh wow you you, you know if you try to tell them give them a boundary or, you know, heaven forbid you use the word no, um, you know, with this personality type, it just sets them into new levels of uh, rebellion or activity. So, yeah, I, so true. Yes, I was seeing this and I was having uh, some addiction problems with it. You know, I was kind of embarrassed because I knew that things were wrong. And it's like, why, why am I still with this person why do I take her back? There was a lot of, you know, <clears throat> we broke up, I confronted her, but uh, she had actually used an astrologer to study me for a year before really uh, approaching me about a relationship. So the mask that she had created was really, really appealing. Oh, isn't that interesting? Like finding out everything about you so to know how to appeal to you. Yeah. These people, they really are predators. And, and they they do study study their 
you know, they're a target. And she had done this, and of course, I found out later, you know, there was so much involvement with that mm. situation. But And so, that's so, very, if I can just pop in there, that's, you know, if anybody ever says to you, I want to find out everything about you, be wary. Definitely. And this is, uh, you know, I had, you know, I met this person, she was like, oh, here's this astrologer I work with, and, you know, he's, he does really good, and you can get readings with him. So I, I thought that I was having confidential readings. I didn't realize that this information was being relayed. Oh, goodness. Yes. So there was some treachery involved, and it was, you know, I would, I would uh, break up with her, and she would come back at me and, you know, calling with the tears and the apologies, and the astrologer would call me, you know, with all these things. Oh, there's a difficult transit, and she's going through this phase. You guys are fated to be together. It's great. And he was really uh, kind of a salesman for the whole thing, but they were acting in cahoots, I, I guess, you know, is the best way to put it. Mm. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was very difficult for me to get away, and there was some addiction. And even after things really spun apart, there was even... Uh, some physicality on her part. Yeah. And, it, you know, when I finally got out of there, I, I just realized I'm just completely not safe at all yeah. around this person. Yeah, she got violent, and then she ran and, and told everybody, oh, my God, I've got to get rid of Jeff. I'm, I'm scared of him. Oh, okay. So she projected that onto you, yeah. Um, yes. To, and, and I think that was part of it for me. The projections would come in, and it's like, wait, she just did that. What? I would be... Mm. I think in a state of shock and off balance so so that these things would just and they would just mount so I was not really functioning fully you know at a, at a cognitive level at, at some point I feel like I was sort of in shock yeah. yeah 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 so so Jeff how long ago did you start working with NARP I've really just started you know it was a uh, uh, you know, the the real end came right over the holidays, mm. and it was very very difficult. I had to you know jump out, find a new place to live, and uh, you know do all those logistics during the holiday. And then of course, once I got here, I landed, and it's like, oh, I'm all alone. And by the way, I'm missing most of my friends because these have been uh, co-opted, you know, by the by the the person. And there was a huge smear campaign. So oh yeah, very difficult. And I found I found you online through YouTube. I was looking at videos, and there were so many videos out there that would tell me about narcissistic personality disorder. And I was reading about, oh yes, and there's abuse, and there's all this stuff, but nobody had you know the solutions out there. And I finally found your videos. I looked at them, and all of the explanations about the peptide cycles and everything just really resonated. Um, I played this video all night long. It was the first I had slept in like a week, really. So um, you actually did the shift in the video that was on video three? Did you actually work that shift? I sure did. I wrote everything down and, and my numbers came down from a 10 to a 5. Right, yep. Just, it was, I was just so grateful. You know, my friends who saw me the next day, they were like, wow, you're over it. <laughs> well, not quite. There's a bit more not to go. Not quite, but I definitely turned the corner. I, you know, relief is in sight. There is now light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. I, I, your program, you know, was what I was looking for. 
And for people that don't know who aren't on NARP, that don't know what the 10 to 5 means, what it actually means is that when you're accessing the painful wounds and the addiction, you're going to get a 10 out of 10. That's the intensity of them. But once you actually do the quantum freedom healing shift process, hopefully and usually you get a big drop. So it means that you go to get go back into accessing that emotional charge and all of a sudden it's greatly reduced and you've got relief because you've actually had a shift somatically in your subconscious body cellularly which then also means that your mind starts switching neuronets to healthier ways of thinking and feeling and being so you know and and it can take some time if you've got a lot or like many people you're going to get really instant shifts so that sounds like that was obviously your experience Jeff that you went oh my god yes yes that's a direct quote oh my god yes. so much better this is really uh, you know when I saw your program I realized that you had really um, discovered how to treat this yeah. You know, coming at it energetically at a cellular level was really, you know, I, I, I was just, I saw that and I was like, this is it. And uh, so I just really, really got involved with everything. And then I, I turned around and I got this email that you were coming to town. So I thought, well, this, this woman has already brought me so much relief. You know, I've got to come to town and meet her and, and, and say hello and thank her in person. Oh, well, it was so, lovely yeah. meeting you. And it was, you know, lovely meeting you because how long is it since you've had NARP? Really, just a couple of weeks. I'm oh, really my God. Yeah. oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because seriously, you do not have that look. Yes, I, I, I've lost it. And that changed even just just with the first video. It, wow. it really just, that was overnight people saw the change in me. Wow. Yeah, you really don't have that look. You know, your body and your mind is already holding light. You can see that very, very clearly. And I can feel that when I meet people, you know, who's stuck and who's shifting. You're shifting. So are you still on module number one or have you... Are you yes. Wow. Yes. And I'm, I, I want to do the whole program, everything. I mean, I, you know, wow. this, this has been really, Melanie, this has been a core issue for me, you know, and I've done work in the past, you know, I meditate, I've seen therapists, I've tried to address issues, you know, because I grew up in a house where one of these types was in charge of the household. Okay, of course. So this was, uh, this, and so, you know, the, the, this last experience really can only um, trigger things that were there already. And I, I had, mm. I had some thoughts about this, you know, about this, uh, what lets, uh, what lets a narcissist abuse us is our compassion, our kind-heartedness, mm -hmm. our willingness to give the benefit of doubt, and our desire to be fair in relationship. Absolutely. These are qualities that narcissists consider stupid, and so they exploit them. That is so, so true, and it is. And the thing is, you know, healing ourselves it's not about getting tough and nasty and not putting up with rubbish and not treating fools kindly. It's not that. We actually become more open-hearted, more loving and more light beings than we've ever been. But we've learned to love and soar through a healthy connection with ourselves. Yes. Definitely. Mm. 
you know, I, I feel like, you know, this last experience, it really did show me, you know, where I need to work, where I have not completely gotten to. And I was kind of aware of this. It's like, oh, I've got treatment for PTSD and things like that. But these are symptoms. They weren't really getting to the core issue. That's so this is so correct. So this has really helped me to focus in on something that I have known about myself um, for years. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I can just kind of keep it under a a shell, you know, and it'll be okay, but no, this experience showed me that I definitely had some work to do, and I'm just blessed to have this opportunity and then be given the tools and be able to do this program. Well, Merry you, Christmas to me. It was really, that's how I saw it. Well, yay, and you know what, Jeff, I love that more and more men are committed to the deep inner work and personal transformation and I know there's a lot of ladies out there that are going to be listening to this and going can we clone Jeff (laughs) (laughs) we need more of Jeff you know because the healing of our planet towards evolutionary relationship truly requires both sexes men and women to take responsibility and do the work and I'm seeing this massive movement of authentic feminine power which is leading the way but you know what? Guys need to stand up too. And you're yes. doing it. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. And, you know, women out there, we're going to get, you know, really heartened as time goes on where we see that men are really doing the work and they're taking responsibility because that's the sort of good guys that we want in our life. And it's really inspired me, you know, to do um, inventory and, and look deeper within. You know, I would have to agree, you know, with some of the other callers that for sure uh, there was a piece of me that was kind of sourcing from my partner. Like, uh, it, it, it turned into some sort of, uh, I need to source, you know, who I am. I'm referring to this person as part of a couple, as part of my identity. Yeah. Uh, and that was, you know, that's just, you've got to be all about you, you know. And, yeah. and, and first off, and that's, Interesting, I, you know, I learned that while I was, I just spent time with a person who was all about them. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, now it's, uh, now I'm going to be all about me, but not in a toxic way, just, you know, to, to have my foundation solid. Well, that's and, right. That's right. And, you know, when we have got that healthy foundation and we're not in neediness and out of sourcing, well, then we can be light and love and healthy boundaries and we can share that with other people. Absolutely. Because relationships, when they're like all about getting energy that's not being self-generated, then they become a push-pull, shove-and-take and and hand-over power and they become enmeshed and toxic and codependent and that's the unhealthy relationship model. Absolutely, yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, Marla, just going back to you, just Mm -hmm. something that's coming to me intuitively at the moment You know, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety is a huge, huge thing to do with narcissistic abuse. Did you, were you struggling with that? Um, Yes, I was. And I didn't realize it until I started going through um, some of your uh, modules. But uh, when when we hit on that, um, I, I saw it loud and clear. And um, a lot of it was with panic attacks and anxiety attacks and, um, you know, shutting down, shutting down. So I was able to kind of um, 
figure out some trigger triggers and focus on those and do some shifts and keep moving forward. And how have you found that's going now with the the anxiety and the and and what you were dealing with? You know, it, it's it's a hundred and ten percent better. I, you know, it's not an overnight journey. Oh no, um, some of us have got to work really hard. <laughs> but you do feel the relief immediately, and um, the word that always comes to mind with me is possibilities and opportunities. Your life just opens. And um, but I did learn some of the triggers, and if I'm happen to be driving and not a place where where I can do shifts learn some um, affirmations and self-talk, just kind of um, take care of things um, until I can do a shift, or one of your your uh, latest um, tapes, I believe, of the quantum healing was, you know, feel into it and ask what age this mm. feeling from there, and that's been very helpful, very helpful. So I'm not having any severe anxiety like I used to. Isn't that gorgeous? Isn't that gorgeous? And yeah, the update of modules, isn't it fascinating when we really go into an anxiety or a trigger or a panic attack or a deep emotional pain, feel it in our body, ask how old we are, how old is this part of me? And then we go, oh my God, this is two years of age. This mm-hmm. is That blew me out, you know, when I understood how much my two-year-old Melanie was still hanging on to, how much my four-year-old Melanie was still hanging on to. And we have so many facets of ourselves subconsciously and so many wounds that occurred at such a very young age that subconsciously are still stuck in their survival programs. And until we up-level them, the trigger actually regresses us to the emotions of that age. Yes, absolutely. I experienced the same thing. I do have to tell you initially, though, um, when we were doing um, the healing modules, mm. I had a really hard time accepting that inner child. Um, it was almost repulsive to me. Oh, to talk about uh-huh. that, because this is a really big point for a lot of people. Yeah, when um, during the, the healing module, at one point, you know, you want to um, vision your your little you. Yeah. And, and embrace embrace her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very hard for me to do. It, it actually repulsed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I can say, and I would do it anyway, thinking, okay, this is protocol with these shifts. I better, I better make it happen and hug her and fill her in, <laughs> you know. And it helped a little bit, but it wasn't until I really started exploring what repulsed me. Yes, loving my inner child and. Um, apologizing and accepting and just trying to clean out that um, after I was able to accept her yes. then a lot of things got clearer and then and then it got a lot easier to kind of identify what age certain um, emotions would get you know oh get yeah Marla that is such a great point that we need that relationship going with our inner child because I wrote an article and did a radio show about the narcissist living in the castle and he had that inner child buried deep below the castle floor and he had him in a cage and he totally disowned him and then had to create all these defense mechanisms around so that nobody would see the damaged inner child. And that's our model too, that if we can't make amends and we can't create a relationship with loving those hurt wounded young parts of ourselves 
well then we're always going to have defense mechanisms up around us we don't love and accept ourselves and we can't be real and open and sourcing and flourishing in the world because of these wounds so you know I had that situation with my inner child that when I really started doing this deep intensive work that I had a problem too so I actually got photos out of the little baby Melanie and the three-year-old Melanie and I meditated with her and I cuddled her at night you know I put her inside my nightie to my chest and you know and every morning I'd wake up and say I love you talking to her and I'd go to bed talking to her and telling her and it, it gets amazing that when those scared hurt in a parts of ourselves start to really trust us and know that we stand for them and we love them unconditionally it will release all of the wounds and all of the information that we need to be able to shift the pain out of the cells of our body. Yes, um, well said, absolutely. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, some people get visualizations in doing the quantum freedom healing shifts where the inner child runs away or the inner child hides or won't let them anywhere near them because the child is terrified that we're just going to criticize, punish or abandon again. And then isn't it ironic that we've had so much fear in the field with other people of being criticized, punished or abandoned and then actually attracted those exact experiences? Exactly, exactly. Like once we get really deeper and we work it all out, it all makes incredible, perfect sense. So, Eleanor, what was your relationship previously like with your inner child? Uh, you know, Melanie, first time that I actually uh, encountered my inner child was exactly in the beginning of your program. I never really previously, oh, I've never even thought about it, so it was a very unique um, experience. And what I encountered was I wanted, I visualized that inner child, and I saw a very vulnerable, weak, scared Elena, and I wanted to protect her. Oh, isn't that gorgeous? And, and isn't it ironic that what you saw as your inner child was actually completely different from you know your image in the world absolutely absolutely right so I just I even um, did uh, something like a meditation of visualization where I imagined my I saw myself now a grown-up I learned and I imagined that little girl next to me and I just wanted comfort her protect her and tell her it's hard but it's going to be okay I'm going to make sure it's going to be okay. And that was a huge trigger for me to follow through with the program, even though sometimes I didn't feel like it, sometimes I didn't feel like I was making progress, but that, that little Elena was the motivation for me to keep going. That is just so perfect. That is the motivation. That is just so perfect. So, Jeff, you know, there's a lot of guys and a lot of blokes out there that might think, you know, this is really sissy, this is really stupid, you know, my inner child, who cares? I mean, guys are really brought up to be tough and strong and get on with it, aren't they? Right. Right. What was your experience with your inner child and how did you feel about doing that work? 
You know, I have a fair relationship with my inner child, um, and I think it's getting better all the time. Um, <clears throat> I started having dreams, you know, where it had come to me. Uh, I had a dream where I was standing on the, on the side of a, a, like a busy street corner in the city, and a bus comes driving up, and it stops in front of me, and the door opens, and this little child steps out of the door, like right in front of me, just, and I recognized it's me looking at me uh, with this confusion on his face. Oh, it was very uh, emotional. Um, and since then, I've, I've just really focused on trying to just, you know, really listen. It's like, okay, you know, the inner child speaks to me, and it, I hear him through my body more than anything. That's you know? exactly yeah. where we get in contact. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole thing that I would have. Um, I've come to realize what it sounds like when he's talking to me, because when I was in this, in the middle of this relationship, uh, I was having a lot of uh, discomfort in my body, which mm. I now realize um, <clears throat> that is how I'm getting the information. And it's but, like, okay, Jeff, don't get into your head. You don't have to analyze it. Just leave. You feel like you feel like crap. Get out. Yeah. Uh, your child is talking to you. He doesn't have sophisticated language, but he can let you know that he feels bad. That is so true. That is such a good point. And our inner child is the subconscious. It's yeah, absolutely. It's our programmed stuff that is running our life, and it's like. Mm -hmm. The neuroscientist experts like Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton, they're saying by the age of 35 years of age, we are pre-programmed. Our destiny is pre-programmed. And it's running off our emotional programming that we received up until the age of 12 years of age before the cognitive mind provided a gate. And pre oh, predominantly yeah. before seven years of age. So there's so much, for sure, Jeff, that's, you know, mm -hmm. unfolding in our life that, and our emotions are screaming at us, you know, the things we feel really great and free about and empowered. Well, our subconscious programming on those is really healthy. And they're the things in our life that we can just do. You know, you might be great with your family, you might be great with making money. And then the things like relationships or painful, toxic relationships, our emotions are screaming, saying, that the child inside has corresponding wounds that are actually driving those realities. And if we right. can listen to our body, you know, as you said, it's our body tells us. So our body is going to be our emotions. And then what happens if we ignore our emotions and we don't heal them, it will actually physically manifest as physical pain and ailments and even diseases. Yeah. I... I I might, you know, I, I found that uh, my relationship with my inner child is, is just better all the time. It's such an improvement of my, my intrapersonal communication, you know, my, mm. my internal dialogue. I'm, I'm, I'm so much more aware now, and it's, it, it's just a blessing to be able to have that. <laughs> Isn't that gorgeous? That is just so gorgeous. And when we think about children that are healthy and happy... What do they do? They play, they're creative, they'll talk to anybody, they, 
they're just loving, they're open, they're exciting, they're exhilarating, they're inspiring. You know, if you spend time with a child that's healthy and happy, it is such a glowing experience. So what happens when we get a really healthy, happy and a child, of course we put it into an adult perspective, but we become radiant, we glow, we're happy, we're creative. And what's great is this child knows there's a really healthy adult looking after them. Yes, they sure do. I love it. I just, I love feeling like that. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it changes everything. It just so does. So, so Marla, with, oh no, Eleanor, just with your um, post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety, you know, where were you at with it before you started healing on the inside? You know, I, at the moment, while I was in it, I didn't feel how bad it was. Mm. Only until, only when I began working on the program, I actually realized how deep I was into it. I've, I would just have random tears coming down my face. And before that, I was always known among my friends, um, whoever knew me as the most cheerful and happy person. I began having the, the absolute rock bottom for me was I began having thoughts what it would be like if I wasn't alive. And mm. that was very scary for me because I came from an environment, family environment, where I'm the only child and I was loved, I was treated well, and that was very scary for me. Mm. So mm. I would say, and like you mentioned a few minutes ago, health issues. I stopped, I stopped sleeping well. I've always been a really good sound sleeper. I began having skin issues. I've never, I've never had acne or anything, and, and I, I would have breakouts just nonstop. I didn't know what to take, what um, lotion to use, and that was um, very, very scary. And I would wake up in the middle of the night just nervous, kind of perspirating, and my hands are shaking. So that was very scary for me because I've never experienced anything like that. Even in my toughest moments in life, I've never been at that point. Yeah. Yep. Yes. I think many, many people can relate to that, those sorts of such powerlessness and helplessness when you just go, I'd be better off dead. I know I've had those thoughts. I know so many people have had those thoughts when they've been narcissistically abused. It's huge. So... I mean, it's just, well, I tell you what, your skin is glowing and you look amazing and I'm sure you're sleeping and it's just, it's (laughs) fantastic, it's beautiful. So, you know, I'm going to put this to all three of you at the moment. You know, I have totally recognised that the people within the community and I'm meeting in life that are working through or have worked through their narcissistic abuse experience have got this incredible special quality to them and I just you know anybody can just I'm sure we'll all work out how we all talk about this but you know how do you guys feel about that yeah anybody can I yeah you go yeah our weekend with you here in Los Angeles was 
very eye-opening in this re in this regard because I realized that every person I've met, they were like me. They were very kind, caring, giving, considerate. And that's just incredible to surround yourself with people like this. Mm. Yeah, it, it's definitely a breath of fresh air. You know, like I said earlier, you know, I, I've recognized that the key qualities that a narcissist exploits, you know, I mean, it's mm -hmm. if you've been narcissistically abused, it's almost like, well, congratulations, you know, you're a loving, caring person. Yeah. Because yeah. if you hadn't have been, you would have just tossed them on the street cold-heartedly the minute you saw uh, a, a problem. Yeah, that's that's right. And I and I think also too, you know, it's important to have the distinction that when we actually do up-level and we heal ourselves, well, absolutely, if it ever happened again, we would toss them on the street corner. You know, we, we would not put up with that again. But you're absolutely 100% right. And I think the point I'm really wanting to make is that there are people, gorgeous people. You know, you're right, Jeff. Everybody has good qualities that's been narcissistically abused. But a lot of people that are really stuck in the victimisation... They don't come across as great people, like they're mm. trashed, they're shattered, they're victimized, they're blaming, they're shaming others and themselves. Right. Yeah. You yeah, that's, that's, that's a trap, and it's unfortunate people get into that. Yeah, and it's normal at the start. It's absolutely, yeah. we all went through that, you know. Yeah, it's very normal, and then you have to step back and say, okay, what was my part in that? Yeah, and, and what can I heal? Only when you do that can you step in and claim your power. It's like, well, hey, I had the choice at every instance to walk mm. away. That's and right. I was staying for some reason, there was a life lesson in here or something. Yeah. But uh, I made that choice. And I was so excited to come to L.A. and meet everybody because I knew I'd be meeting like-minded people and like-hearted people. Yeah. You know, I, for, yes, for the first weeks, for the first you know, first weeks and, and months or so, I was just feeling like a total chump. What a sucker. You know, oh, and it, I was just very down on myself until I had, had read some more and learned about what's happening. And I realized, well, there really is, there is a, a biophysical element to this. There really is an addictive element. And it, it's, it's just what happens. It's the dynamic of these kinds of the behaviors. It's, it's like brainwashing. And it reduces you to really a, a, just a, a state of confusion in which the narcissist is running circles around you. A friend of mine actually sent me a video on YouTube the other day. And it was, uh, it's, it's two mice on a tread, on a, on a spinning wheel. Yep. It's like this is an analogy for what happens when you step into a relationship with uh, someone who is pathologically disordered. You start spinning with them and you, you run and you go at their pace and then you get exhausted and then you're just spinning around. It's, I thought about posting it on the site, but I wanted to see if that was good before posting. Yeah, I think, well, it is. And that's exactly yeah. what it feels like. So, um... We've got Eric Casasio that's just called in. So, hi, Eric, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Say, everybody say hello to Eric. Hello, Eric. Hey, Eric. Hello, everyone. Can uh, you guys hear me okay? Yeah. I yes. hear you. Excellent. 
Great, we can hear you. So Eric, we were just talking about that that amazing quality that people have that have been narcissistically abused that are up leveling and healing and evolving and taking responsibility and just before you comment on that, you know, every well most people have, you know, seen um our pictures together. We 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 hung out a bit in LA and I miss you already and and <laughs> well I so do. And you know, the joy that we had and and there was a comment that one of the girls, her name's Melanie also, commented about about my last blog article where there was like the stuff I was doing in LA and there was a picture of you and I together at Sheena Metal's radio show and I want you to, you may not have read it, I know you're busy, but I want you to, re, I want you to hear this. She said, hi Mel, I want to comment on your picture with Eric. When I first saw this picture, here is what came to me to my heart. I read a lot of the energies of pictures. The way he has his arms around you is not grabbing or taking or not even holding. He is holding a space for you to be like a flower in a vase. To me, this is beautiful. We see truth, purity, honor, and allowance in his embrace. Just beautiful. Thought I would share. Mel, kiss, kiss. Wow, I'm like crying hearing this right now. I know, and I nearly cried when I read it. It's so beautiful, and it's it's actually very accurate um, with the time we got to spend together and the time, what we discussed on, on the air with Sheena Metal. I mean, if you really listen to that segment that we did and the way it's touching people out there that have been abused by a narcissist or a narcissistic sociopath, it's just... It's just beautiful, you know, and and it was so wonderful to finally meet you in person and to be able to have the discussions that we had about the things that we talked about on the air, off the air. Um, I wish that I could have had more time with you, like because we just really connected. And I think that's what's so great about what you do, Melanie, is that you you bring this community of people together that really understand what it's like to uh, suffer from narcissistic abuse uh, and, and know how to speak about it and share the common thread that we all have, that we've all experienced one way or another. And like you, like we've said, it, it, it's out of this world. It really is. It feels like it's out of this world when it happens, but... Look at all the great things that come from it. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at... Mm, totally. What, yeah. It's like, well, you, look at what you created. Look at the people that have been connected. Mm. Look at the film I made. Uh, mm. You know, just, I'm just so... You know, I look back on my situation. I'm so glad it happened because, <laughs> I mean, none of you people would be in my life if it didn't happen, you know? Totally. And these great things wouldn't be happening. And I just so have this theory that when people really take responsibility and they go within and they start empowering themselves, that the pain that we had and the shattering that we had to our hearts, it's like it cracked us open to hold more love and light. Yeah. Nice, I like that, yes. Mm, and I know that, you know, I had none, 
not even a fraction of this ability to hold so much love and light and generate connections before this happened to me. I, you know, I, I seriously wasn't even on the ballpark, let alone near the goals. <laughs> I find that so hard to believe. <laughs> Truly. You know, I'm not the same person that I am now because this happened to me. I'm nowhere near it. And, you know, even my family, my closest friends would all tell you the same thing. Absolutely they would. Yeah, so, oh my God. Now, Eric... You're doing, you've done this great film, which is called Narcissist, and it's a movie. And what is fantastic is it is raising awareness, and it's going to be doing that globally. And it's about, uh, it's about a male-gay relationship, but it could be a dynamic for any narcissistic relationship. And I've watched it, and it's chillingly accurate. It really portrays it magnificently. So can you just tell the listeners a little bit about that movie? Sure. Uh, Narcissist is about a uh, sweet guy named Evan who's a very, very talented writer who gets involved with a man named Rob who is at first very charming and wonderful but then becomes extraordinarily manipulative and toxic and uh, it's about the fallout of this connection that they've had over a period of time and it, you see the devalue and the discard and you also see the post-traumatic stress that Evan goes through uh, soon after the discard and um, and then you also see Rob's world That's and that's what I, I really wanted to tap into with this project which I believe has it has done is that we see the victim's world and then we see the narcissist world and we see this man that the narcissist character Rob at every moment he is reaching for something he, he needs the external he's reaching for the phone to check his messages he's reaching for a glass of wine he's uh, checking his you know he's never still and and um mm. Him in his, you see how he handles silence and you also see how Evan handles silence. Evan can handle silence but Rob cannot handle silence. But what I really like about the way this project ends, and I'm not going to give away the ending, is that it's so easy, especially in the early phase of this, uh, being discarded by a narcissist to really hate them. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. And then as you get over the narcissist and you really look into yourself, look at why you have attracted or have been, you know, a narcissist into your life and have been attracted to one, you feel, you know, kind of, I feel anyway, pity and I feel bad for them because it's like mm. they're really alone and no matter... Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like no matter what relationship they end up in... Mm. It does it's like they then I don't see them ever looking inward at least like we have to really work on the wounds that we that we have had you know from being able to attract someone like that and um you know I'm almost hoping that individuals that will see this film that are uh, narcissistic abusives uh, might take a moment and look into themselves. I'm hoping that 
on top of inspiring victims. I'm hoping that yeah. maybe, just maybe, that mm. last movie uh, that, that I don't want to give away will resonate with them. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know. I, mm. Maybe I'm too high for the stars, but but like I, I really am hoping that that might happen with at least one person out there. Yeah, and you know, well, maybe the shift in our world is going to go to conscious co-creation, even for narcissists. So you know, that's well, that's really evolution, and it could go there, and it, it we we'd all love that. It'd be absolutely fantastic, and you know, what's so important is that we don't do what we used to do, which is trying to fix and you know fix them so that they can be the person that loves us you know if they decide to do the work and heal themselves if they ever did they really need to do that on their own so that we can pull away and get healthy absolutely you you have to pull away and and, and get healthy and do the no contact thing that is essential um with with um, anyone that has narcissistic personality disorder i think that when you're on the victim side, that is essential, and uh, I think we've all done it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, Eric, how can people find out more about your movie? You can find out about Narcissist at narcissistthemovie.com and facebook.com front slash narcissistthemovie, and also twitter.com front slash narcissistmovie. Fantastic, because you know, it's, I think it's really, really good awareness to spread that around, and we need to really raise world consciousness about narcissism and about narcissistic abuse recovery. It's just incredibly important because it is epidemic; it's everywhere. Yes, it is. And don't you, uh, you know, start to realise that, you know, Eric and and the other thrivers here tonight. You know, you would all be recognizing this. Once that, you know, you've opened your eyes and you start getting healthy, you start to really understand how much of it is out there. Would you all agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. It might have been a a phase that I thought I was going through, but it's like at first, once I realize it, I see it everywhere. I certainly see it in government and leadership positions anywhere where there's a, a, a chance of power. Uh, and I see it in the mass media. I see it everywhere. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting because yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I think when you when you have especially a romantic connection with one, it really opens opens this awareness that you you sort of know where where when you see it, you know. And at least for myself, is I just. I really know how to handle others like that because let's face it, we're, we're all going to run into another one, whether it be romantic. Absolutely. Um, working. Yeah. It's going to happen. And when it does happen, you just know. Um, I know for myself, it's just been, I just don't react at all. Okay. You know, I, I've learned that. Uh, I learned that. And uh, it really is knowing that I, I know that now is such a gift that, you know, to walk through this life and know and that that kind of uh, environment is around me to know how to handle it. And absolutely, you know, in your environment, film producing, you're in L.A., there's a lot of it. Yes, there is. And the entertainment industry uh, is can be extraordinarily narcissistic. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's just, it, it's like, you know, 
but the thing is, this is what I will say, is that I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to connect with people like Sheena Metal that are very authentic artists. Absolutely. And I have you know, and, and Melanie, you met Brion Davis. I mean, he is beyond authentic. Absolutely. He's a fantastic guy. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's mm. talented. He's he's humble. He's just, yeah, there's none of this look at me rubbish. He's great. Yeah, he's nothing like that. So, you know, mm. even though, you know, entertainment has this reputation, there are authentic artists that, that are just really wonderful to work with. And I, I've been blessed that I've been surrounded by them. And that's just so law of attraction, Eric, you know, when because you're one of the most authentic people I've ever met. You're just so authentic. So I'm not surprised that you've got people like that in your world. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's it's um, you know, I have come across the other kind too. <laughs> it's just but you know, it's just like it, again, it's just a matter of knowing how to handle them. And in this city, you know, they're everywhere. Um, and they're everywhere anyway, no matter where you That's go. That's true. You know, um, but it's just, um, and I think that with my romantic situation, I think what made it so difficult for me was that it happened outside of the city. And it was like, I didn't expect it in a place that where I ended up meeting this person, no, that it would happen the way that it did. It was almost as if I felt double fooled. Yeah, and, okay. Um, you know, and I think that's what was that was what what really just sort of um, shook my feathers at that time. Um, is that here I, I would you know I've dated people here and it's I, I've gone through that that kind of thing before people here, but then you know maybe it's because I'm older, and I think when you get older you, you develop so much more wisdom in life and you learn all these great things, and then all of a sudden you know it's kind of like Melanie when you had your second relationship, yeah. And, and you had it again, and you, know, yep. and you had you probably had so much wisdom, and and then when you got to that second relationship and it happened mm. again, I mean, didn't that make you feel like, wow, again, you know? <laughs> oh, look, totally beyond words that can describe, and you know now and even in the process of really deeply healing, deeper than I'd ever gone, it was so meant to be because I still had belief systems I needed to heal. Yeah, there was more to be done. And I think that every day there's there's healing to do, no matter what in life, um, whether it be from narcissistic abuse or whatever. There's always totally, something totally. going inside to dig into, and that's something I definitely learned from you when I when I saw you here. You know, mm, I love that, I, I, and I love that, and I believe that's so true. You know, when we've got a tool to work on ourselves, and when we're really committed that we want to finish up life on our deathbed, saying, "I really went for it. I, I went." all the way I showed up you know and how do we show up how do we go all the way how do we flourish to be the best we can be we can only do that by evolving our limiting belief systems because if our inner identity isn't free enough to be our full flourishing it won't let us go there yeah yeah I agree and I find that so exciting and it shows. I, I mean, the way you smile and shine bright. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> when you see how exciting you are and how, how much you just love doing what you do, it's beautiful, you know? It's really, it's what, it's what you're meant to do. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, if I hadn't shifted a ton of inner belief systems, I can assure you I would never have come to L.A. I would never have done the things I did. I would have been terrified because my old previous inner identity would never have allowed it. But I absolutely made sure 
this year that I was going to get past all of those glass ceilings that had kept me limited and small and it was the inner work that did it and I, I'm just so relieved that there was just no fear, there was no pain. It was just like woohoo, I was like a kid in a candy shop just loving it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so much fun. Just and it was fun the whole time. It was so all right guys, well, we're just gonna finish off, but just before we finish off, Marla, what was your experience of meeting these like minded people? How did it feel to you? You know, it's it's wonderful. I'm I'm still on cloud nine. I feel like I have a whole new um, realm of friends because long no contact. I had to let go of a lot of friends and, and social circles, um, and it was just an instant an instant um, connection and just the possibilities and our vision together is to get the word out and heal one another and help others. Um, it's just so um, prevalent that it's just really exciting. Oh, isn't that beautiful? And, you know, rather than saying, well, misery has company, it's like excitement and flourishing and radiance has company now. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, Eleanor, what was your experience and feeling of meeting all these like-minded people? I agree with Marla. The connection was just incredible. It was sort of a almost magical you walk into the room with people and you instantly connect with them on some surreal some higher level that you can't even see and then just being with you and getting to know you was a very expansive experience it showed me like you said that you've got to evolve you've got to overcome the glass ceiling and you can you can achieve things that you never thought possible so it was very um, energizing weekend, energizing experience. Mm, gorgeous. And what about you, Jeff? Your experience with these people? It was it was definitely energizing and encouraging. Um, I can't tell you how much it meant to me. I felt like I was with family. I knew that if I found others, you know, who had been through this, that, that it was going to be powerful. And in fact. I had been online searching for, you know, NPD survivor support groups, and they're just really not out there. Mm-hmm. Not that I found until until now, and it was just, like I said, just everything you know that I really needed right, right when I needed it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm feel so fortunate. Every everybody uh, I connected with on a deeply personal level, I knew I was going to be in a community of loving, caring people. Mm. Mm. And I think it takes it even one step further. It's what I call evolutionary relationships, which are the highest level vibration relationships. And they're relationships where people do take personal responsibility and they stand for the full flourishing of themselves and others. And that is the relationships that we want to create in our world on friendship levels, on intimate relationship levels, and on all levels. And if we do that, we will change the world. Yes. Yes. Right. It's yes. it. You know, it's, it's the shift. It's, it's happening. Mm. And it's exciting. And we got to really experience that on that micro level together. So, Eric, what was your experience with meeting these beautiful people and I must say Eric I've got a bone to pick with you (laughs) okay 
Eric, Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, yep, get ready. Eric came to the evening dinner thriver. Him and I, and Elena, I might add, who also, like myself, went to the lunchtime meeting the next day. So Eric put up this lame thing on Facebook that we had him out, or me specifically, had him out to 3am <laughs> in the morning dancing, and that's why he didn't turn up. Now, Eric, you weren't even drinking. <laughs> I know, because I hardly ever drink. I know. I was. You didn't even organise this event. You don't have to put on makeup and do your hair like I do. You're a guy. So I'm sorry, that was a lame excuse you not to have today. Don't you agree, Eleanor? We did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know. Eleanor was texting me. She's like, "Get out of bed." I, I didn't. I actually did not get out of the bed until eleven forty-five that morning. Oh and my goodness! I was just really, really poor form, really exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought to myself, "I'm probably not going to be the best candidate to come to brunch today." Um, I really wanted to be there, and I was there in spirit, uh, but I, I, just, I needed to. I needed to rest. I, I ended up going to the gym and getting my endorphins up, and I felt great after that. <laughs> <laughs> At about three in the afternoon, more than likely. But um, <laughs> yeah. to, to your question of, of meeting everyone, <laughs> uh, I, I really thought it was incredible. And what I really loved about it is I felt like each and every one of us has a very similar magical glow um, mm-hmm. about ourselves that maybe only all of us understand from, you know, the journey. Hello? Oh, I think we've lost... Are you there, Eric? Hello? Mm-hmm. Who's there? I'm still here. I'm oh, here. Okay. I'm here. It looks like Eric lost his connection. I think, yes, he has. I've got the little bubbles coming up with him. Yeah. He has, but that's okay. That's okay. We've got the little bubbles, which (laughs) means we've got a problem with him. Well, it's those little bubbles he had a problem with that morning. Right. (laughs) Maybe if he'd had little bubbles, he might have turned up. (laughs) That could be my theory on that. (laughs) Oh, well, we've lost Eric, and that's fine. We've been able to talk about his movie, and um, and what's he doing next weekend, guys? He's having his... Because you guys are going. Is it a premiere, or... I can't quite remember what he was doing, because I wasn't going to be there. It's a private screening of his Narcissist, the movie, which oh. will include the actors, the cast, and us, the survivors. Yeah, yeah. Great. Fantastic. Good. So is he having that in L.A.? Where is he doing it? It is, from what I know from the invite, it is in Los Angeles. It's in the Hollywood area, and um, it's a, I believe it's a private residence, so it'll be a pretty small gathering, and mm-hmm. it'll be nice to meet the people who were behind this amazing movie. Oh, great, fantastic, and people that are wanting to, uh, here he comes, he's coming back in, oh no, he's dropped off, that's okay. So yeah, people that, if you go to Eric's Facebook page, which is Narcissist the Movie, you'll be able to, um, yeah, find out about all of those details. Hello there. Hi, I've just cut the other people off. 
So hang on one sec. I'll have to drop you. Okay. I'll try and ring you back. Hi guys, I'm still here. I'll try and pick up, yeah, because Eric tried to come in. I've got to add him to the group call. i tell you what, technology and the challenges. I think you're there now, Eric. We've got you. I am there. I'm back. I don't know what happened. I think my internet got disconnected for a moment. I do apologize. That's okay. These things happen technically. It's been one of those technical nights, hence why we're doing this on Skype and not on uh, Blog Talk Radio because it was playing up. But, but anyway, look guys, thank you so much for staying up. And as I said to you all before at the start of the call, this is my theory. I'm back in Melbourne. I've had to change my time clock, so I just thought I'd keep you all up late. <laughs> because I've got to stay up late now. Yeah. There's five hours difference the day before, so I'm 6pm, you guys are heading into midnight, and I have to go into my 10 o'clock, which is going to be another four hours before I go to bed, so I just thought I could share a bit of the pain around. <laughs> oh my goodness, I tell you what, after 25 hours of travelling, I don't think I'm going dancing just yet. I think we should jump on a plane and take her out dancing. What do you think? Well, if you did that, I would. <laughs> I definitely would. I'd be there. I'd have to be there. For sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much, beautiful people, for coming on. I miss you guys. But we miss you. We miss you too. Oh. We miss you too, Mel. Yeah, just massive big group hug. I'm hugging you all right now and I love you all so much and thank you for coming on and sharing your experiences with everybody. It's so special and it means so much to me. So welcome though. Thanks thank for setting it all up and hosting and thank for having us on to talk. Yes, absolutely. Giving us your time. Thank you. Oh, you're thank you so much. You're so welcome, gorgeous people. All right, guys, well, I'm going to hang up now and, and thank you so much. And that's going to be it for the show, everybody. And thank you for the people listening in. There's also going to be uh, an up blog article coming out about the show. So there'll be some of the details in there and some of the pictures of the meetups. You'll be able to see the people that were there and that glow, that radiance that we're talking about. You know, when we become thrivers, it's just a different world. Okay, so good night everybody and lots of love. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Good night.